Welcome to the Word of Life AG podcast. This week we begin a new series from Pastor Andy called Selfless. Today's message is entitled Bold in Witness. Today is the beginning of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. It begins today. And uh, so it's one of those things that we've been doing for the last five, six, seven years now. We take 21 days and we seek God for many things. And uh, we're going to have this church uh, open for you different times throughout the day so that you can come and pray here. You don't have to come here and pray. You can pray at home. You can pray at work. But we do want to make it available to you. So we encourage you to do all of that. And so you come in here and there's going to be projections that will sort of help you to pray, that will give you some things to pray about and to pray for so that you can be a part of that. As far as the fasting is concerned, you know, I have said this many, many times in years gone by, I'm against legalism. I, I, I don't like legalism. I don't like people doing things because it's a legalistic thing to do. So fasting can quickly fall into that category. And so what I, as the pastor of this church, what I encourage for you is for you to fast however you sense you need to fast. For some of us, we may have health issues. And so to do a complete total fast with water only for 21 days, that could be a little bit dangerous for you. So you shouldn't do that unless you've talked with your doctor. And others of us, you know, that we may want to fast uh, and have, uh, not do one meal, you know. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm not going to eat fish for 21 days. I promise you. <laughs> because I never eat fish. I hate seafood. So anyhow, the fact of the matter is, is that you can do whatever you want to do. Thank you, Lisa. You can do whatever you want to do as far as the fasting is concerned, and I mean that literally, but I encourage you to do something. I encourage you to do something. At the very least, give up sweets or stop eating bread or stop watching TV or, or, or maybe uh, do something with this that you don't normally do, and it's like shut it off once in a while and fast from your phone. Come on. Come on. Somebody give me an amen to that. So as far as this goes, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we just encourage you. Now on Wednesday nights, we're going to have the one hour of prayer, Dick Eastman's one hour of prayer. And uh, it, we, everybody's here, for those of you who are bringing your kids to our, our kids' ministries that are taking place. We're going to be meeting in this room. The worship team is going to help us out. It's going to be really, really great. So we just encourage you to be a part of all of that. Second thing I want to say to you is also about our, our life path. It is today. I'm going to mention it again in my message. But the life path, we're kicking off again. We took the month of December off primarily because it's just such a busy month for everybody. But we're back at it today. We will be meeting at 3 o'clock here in the lobby. We will be in this lobby right here is where we're going to meet. And so it's, it should be a really, really great time. Okay. Okay, are we ready? It's so good to be here. Really, really good to be here with you all today. I love you so much. <clears throat> we are in week one. We're in week one of a four-week series called Selfless. 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 And uh, today's message that we're going to talk about is bold in witness. Bold in witness. So we're somewhere around 130 hours into this brand new year, 2019. And let me just ask you a really simple question. How's it going for you? How's the new year so far? Good? Give me a hand thumbs up or whatever. Okay, good. Um, how many of you have uh, some New Year's resolutions that you're going to try to keep? Just give me a little wave if that's you. That's you. Um, maybe new goals for 2019. Maybe self-improvements for 2019. It's interesting to me, when you think about it, most of the time, not all the time, but when, when you think about it, when you and I make New Year's resolutions, most of the time, they're rather self-centered. 
They're, they're rather self-centered in nature is what I believe. And it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's bad. But in other words, you might want to lose weight or you may want to uh, get a bit healthier or, or maybe you'd want to get to a gym and begin to work out. Or maybe, and even most importantly, you just might want to have your heart checked because heart disease is still the number one killer in our world. And it's a real serious thing. And I don't think you should mess around with your heart ever. So I think maybe for 2019, you should maybe get your heart checked. But my point is this. Since most of us in this room today are believers, we're mostly believers that are here. As believers, our New Year's resolutions are are more about ourselves than about God. Typically, more about ourselves than about God. And where there could be issues or concerns for that kind of thing, as a Christ follower, our focus as a follower ends up being more about me, 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 me. It's about me than what it would be that maybe what God would want, what God would want to do in you, what God would want to do through you, what God may want. So when it comes to God, so many try to get God to do what they want him to do. They try to get God to do what they want him to do rather than trying to figure out what God may want to do in your life. We have that tendency to move that way. Uh, When it comes to God, when it comes to God, so many people try to make God do what they want and rather than trying to figure out what God would want in their life. And it's easy. It's easy to slip into that kind of thing. It's easy to have your prayer say, God bless me. God, would you bless me? And there's nothing wrong praying that prayer. But sometimes it even goes deeper than bless me. God, bless me. God, make me rich. Make me richer than I've ever been before. God, make me happy. I'm not all that happy. God, would you make me really, really happy? Come on, God. Would you be that little genie in the bottle for me and give me whatever I want? And of course, of course, when God does not give you what you want him to do, that genie in the bottle kind of thing, those same people begin to start blaming God. Hey, I tried God. I tried God. I I tried God. I went to church years ago. I I was a part of a church years ago. I tried God. I I mean, I've I've read at least a a paragraph in the Bible in my time. I know I have. At least a a paragraph. And um, I tried God. And just so you know, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get the job that I wanted. I didn't get the school that I wanted to go to. I didn't get the girl that I wanted. She's off with someone else who's nothing but a dweeb. I tried God, and it didn't work. He didn't answer my prayers. I'm done. I'm done with this. God didn't do what I wanted him to do. See you later. I'm out of here. I'm done. Listen, before you leave, before you walk out of here, if that's part of your thought, and you're ready to leave just simply because I've used this simple illustration, I I just want to, as your pastor today, I just want to tell you a couple of things. If you're here today, I'm your pastor. If you don't come next week, I'm not your pastor any longer. So don't worry about this. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, first of all, God doesn't exist for your every uh, want in life. He just doesn't. God doesn't exist for every one of our wants in life. But actually, we exist to, to serve and to honor the one who has created us and the one who breathed his life in us. Second thing I want to say to you is that God, God was not created in the image of man. If that's the way you're thinking, if you're thinking that, that God was created in the image of man, you got it backwards. We were created. We were created in the image of God. And God is the, the creator 
and we are the created. And I want to let you know, we owe, uh, God owes us nothing. God owes us nothing. In fact, when Jesus in the New Testament invited people to follow him, go with me to Matthew chapter 16 in your U version. You can follow along that way or screens will be projecting all of these scriptures and things we're gonna be using this morning. In Matthew 16, 24, listen to what, what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So if you are seriously considering to be a follower of Jesus or be a disciple of Jesus or maybe you're sort of new in your faith with God and you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, you don't know a whole lot about God, whatever that may be for you, I want to let you know it's never about God becoming a genie in, our, in a bottle for us. It's not who God is. He doesn't want to leave you in charge of your own life. Because look at it. <laughs> Joe was really honest today. He shared the truth. We typically really mess up our own life. He doesn't want you and I to be in control. So as we begin this brand new year, at week one of our four-week series, I want to talk to you today about being bold in witness. Being bold in witness, bold in sharing our faith in Christ. And the reason why I want that is because I want the many people that are in your life, the many people that are in your sphere of influence, I want them to come to a place where they would know Christ and that their lives would be changed forever. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, if you don't listen to me any longer after this statement that I'm gonna make here in this moment, please hear this much. First and foremost, the whole reason why we are here today, the whole reason why Word of Life Church even exists is to reach as many people as we can possibly reach. Those people who are far from God, the unchurched, the irreligious, the unbelievers, all of those people and a whole lot more that God of heaven, that the God of heaven desperately loves. He loves them beyond our wild imaginations. In fact, let me just give you a, a couple of thoughts here. Listen to what the Bible has to say about what it is that I'm saying to you right now. Because literally, literally, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, right or wrong in their past, whatever it may be, whatever that may be, God says within his word, God says within his word, the Bible, many times, these things about reaching people who are far from God. I'm gonna give you a bunch of scriptures, I'm gonna pop, pop them right out, but I'm only gonna give you a caption of what it says. In Luke chapter 14, 23, uh, Jesus says, compel them to come in. Matthew 28, 20 says, go and make disciples of all nations. John chapter three, verse 17, Jesus didn't come to, to, bring, to condemn, but Jesus came to save the world. 2 Peter 3, 9, God says that God is not wanting any to perish. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. You see, there are really good reasons for being a bold witness. There's really a good reason. In fact, in fact, Google tells us, and we know that Google never lies, Google tells us that there are 7.7 .7 billion reasons why we should be bold in our faith. 7.7 .7 billion reasons, like never before. In fact, we need to be more bold in the witness because of what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter seven, not in your notes, but in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, narrow is the road, narrow is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. 
to the fullness of life, to lead us to heaven. Narrow is that road. But then he goes on to say, but wide is the gate. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many are on that road. Few are on the narrow road, but many are on the wide road, the Bible says, the word of God says. So we need to be bold in our witness. We need to be bold in sharing our faith. Somebody, please give me an amen. Amen. We need to have that. So what if we were to go into 2019 and instead of being self-centered, and again, I'm not saying it's all wrong to want things. There's nothing, I want things. I want a lot of things. It's not wrong to want things, but instead of being selfish, instead of wanting it our way, what if we, as we go into 2017, what if we as followers of Jesus strive to live a more selfless life for 2019? Examine that yourself, look at yourself, listen to yourself. If you're married, listen to your, your woman or your man or whoever is influencing you in your life. Listen to what they would have to say about some of these things because I believe, I, I believe that what Jesus is wanting us to do with this word today is that he wants to make us bold. He wants us to make us bold in our witness. So let me give you some context of where I'm going scripturally this morning. By the way, you're going to hear some thoughts from Church of the Highlands, from uh, Life Church, and from um, uh, uh, not, um, uh, Gateway Church. Couldn't remember the name. So you're going to hear a couple of things that I'm going to be quoting from what they have said themselves. I want you to know that. So let me give you the context of where we're going today. Jesus, Jesus handpicks his disciples. He handpicks his disciples, and he just pours his life into them. And uh, Jesus teaches them what it means to, to know God. Jesus teaches them what, uh, Jesus teaches them how to know God. I thought I was on the wrong page, but I just realized I'm on the right page. Jesus teaches them what it means to know God. And of course, when we talk about knowing God, it's a trigger point for me. Because to know God is exactly what we're going to be talking about today in our, in our life path uh, class that we're going to be having. Life Path at 3 o'clock this afternoon. We're going to be talking about that because if you're going to be a member at Word of Life Church, uh, you're going to have to know God. You're going to have to believe in God. Jesus has to be your Lord and Savior. We believe in that. And so, therefore, when it comes to our Life Path, we have a Life Path that takes us down the road to becoming a member at Word of Life. There's three different steps that we go through in our Life Path. Step number one is on the first Sunday of the month, which is why we're doing step number one today. Next week, step number two, uh, the second Sunday of the month and step number three, the third Sunday of the month. And in these three paths that we're going to, it's going to help us not only become a, 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 a member of Word of Life Church, but this is, you're going to be able to discover your personality profile, your gifting profile. You're going to be able to find out what God has created you to do. And it's life-changing. It's life-giving. So I encourage you to come along. If you've not been to class number one, today would be a good day to do it. There will be no childcare. This is going to last about an hour to maybe an hour 15. That's gonna be taking place at three o'clock in the afternoon. We would love for you to come. So let me get back to my message. We'd, like to, we'd love to have you stop by if you would. So Jesus poured into his disciples. He poured into them what it means to know God. And Jesus also was teaching them how to know God's will in their life. And of course, they had the front row seat of being able to see all of the miracles, all of the signs, all of the wonders, to hear what Jesus would talk about, the words that he would speak, the words of life that would come from his lips. They were in, uh, in the first row seat of all of that. And so what would take place with all of that 
um, the, the whole reason, the whole reason Jesus would begin to talk to them. Sorry, distracted. Um, the first thing, I got to stop being distracted. I got a lot of thoughts going in my mind right now, even when I say I'm distracted. So Jesus is pouring into these guys, and as he is doing that, he would say this a number of times to them. As they are learning, as they are growing, as they are seeing the miracles, signs, and wonders, as all of that is taking place, Jesus would stop for a moment, and he would say, guys, you need to listen to this. You need to understand. You need to realize um, why I'm even here. You need to understand that I have come here, and one day, one day I'm going to lay down my life for the sins of all of mankind, and I'm going to die. But listen, he says, listen, three days after I die, I'm going to come back to life. God is going to raise me back to life. And of course, the guys didn't get that. The disciples didn't understand. That's a little bit overwhelming to even begin to compute. We understand it now because we've seen it. We understand it. But they didn't get it at that time. And he told them over and over again, guys, as cool as all the miracles are, as cool as all of these things are taking place, all the things that are happening, one day I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice and I'm going to die for the sins of the entire world. And on the third day, God will raise me up. I will be raised up. I will be back, is what he says. I will be back. And then it happened. It happened just as Jesus said it would happen. Jesus was arrested. He was beaten brutally. And then he went to the cross and he suffered a, a horrible death on the cross. He died, just as Jesus said. Now we would assume without reading ahead of the story, without reading ahead in the scriptures that we're talking about today, I, I'm assuming that we would all assume at this point the disciples would rally together. He told us this. He told us this many times. And he told us that he would die. But he also said he's coming back. So come on, guys, let's, let's hang in there. Let's not get discouraged. Let's continue to move forward. And of course, we would think, as we're sitting here today, we would think that more than likely that's exactly what they were doing. Because they had it in their mind that Jesus said, he's coming back. So they're, they're, they're assuming that they're probably out there preaching. They're probably talking about Jesus and what he has done. And he's coming back. He's coming back. We would think that. But not. That was not even close what they were doing. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Go with me to John chapter 20, verse 19. I'm not going to read you the entire verse at this particular point. I will in a few minutes. But in John chapter 19, it says these words. On the evening of the first week, when the disciples were together, this is on the Sunday that Jesus is going to return. On the evening of the first week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. For fear of the Jewish leaders. So get this in your head. It's Sunday evening. Those disciples are filled with fear. They are filled with fear, hiding behind locked doors. Even though Jesus told them, he told them that he's coming back on the third day. And instead of being bold, they were cowering in fear behind locked doors, which leads me to a question. And the question is, why is it that we are not more bold in our witness? Why is that? I'm sure that there are a lot of reasons why we're not bold, but absolutely for sure, hands down for sure, these disciples, they were scared. They were, they were afraid. They were afraid. And the fact of the matter is, 
I'm doubting probably all of us who are believers and followers, all of us could agree with the fact that we have faced fears too, as far as being a bold witness. We're afraid. We're afraid that we don't know enough of the scriptures. And if whoever I'm talking to asks me a question, I'm not going to have the answer. We're afraid that we might offend other people because I don't want to be labeled. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be labeled as one of those kind of Christians, you know? Talks about Jesus wherever he goes. Or the third thing may be that we would look silly to others. I get it. I understand that once we start talking to a coworker or a friend at school or whoever, wherever we may be, we begin to have all these fearful thoughts that come into our mind that instead of being bold, we begin to cower. We begin to hide behind those locked doors for fear. I told you all a few weeks back that Marianne and I prayed for her father. I prayed for my father-in-law for 37 years to receive Christ. 37 years. That's a long time. 37 years to receive Christ. He was angry at God. Other Christians that came into his life, he considered them to be weird. Didn't like being around a Christian at all. 37 years is a long time to pray for someone to get saved. And I can tell you honestly that in those early years, as we began to continue in our relationship and trying to reach my father-in-law, I can tell you more times than not, I was dealing with fear with him. I was afraid of the things that he would catch me on, the things that he would say, the things that he would do that I wouldn't know how to respond. I, he, he made it clear that there were other Christians in his life that just, he just was turned off by those people for good reason. I know some of them. It was good reason why he was turned off. And I was just afraid that I'm going to mess it up. I dare you to be honest right now. Have anybody, has anybody else in this room been afraid as far as being a witness before? Would you raise your hand? Okay, and those of you whose hands aren't raised, you're lying right now if you're a Christian. <laughs> God wants to change that in all of us. And I'm hoping today that it's going to be some of the steps that we're going to take that's going to help us to begin to be more bold. What I want to show you just in one verse, one verse in the scripture that we just read about. That, that how one event, one moment transformed these disciples who were fearful to be bold, very bold, and to be courageous. Suddenly Jesus, Jesus the man who died earlier, Jesus that was put into a tomb because he was dead, he promised, he promised that he would be back. So let me go again to John chapter 20, verse 19. I read the whole thing now. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked, with the doors locked for fear, fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, I'm sort of smiling and laughing because I just love this. It says here in the Bible, it says, Jesus came and stood among them. It doesn't say in the Bible that Jesus came and, hello. It doesn't say that Jesus opened up a window and crawled inside the window, and there he was. It says that Jesus came and stood among them. Poof. I don't know what else to say. Poof. He's there. <laughs> and uh, and I, I just think that's pretty funny. Anyhow. But um, they were, uh, Jesus shows up. And I think what Jesus probably said to them was this. Hey, boys, you didn't forget that I'm coming back, did you? You didn't forget that. And all of a sudden, the guys who in one moment were hiding behind locked doors, timid and afraid and all self-centered, the next moment 
when Jesus appeared, when the resurrected Jesus appeared to them, when Jesus was there, that next moment, these guys were courageous, immediately began to preach God's word. Immediately they were preaching the word of God. And they were preaching it boldly. Peter is right now preaching his heart out. In fact, in these particular verses that I'm dealing with, Peter is preaching uh, right now in, to about a crowd of 5,000 people, telling them to repent, telling them to be baptized, telling them to, to seek the forgiveness of their sin. No one could shut this guy up. In fact, the religious leaders were hauling him off, hauling Peter off to jail. And as they're doing that, Peter is still preaching. They've been being dragged away and he's turning around. Hey, you need Jesus. Don't, don't, don't neglect God. You know, whatever he would be saying, he was preaching and reaching out to all kinds of people. So let's dig into this a little bit deeper if we can. Let's, let's dig into a little bit more about being bold in spirit. Go with me to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four, verse six. Acts chapter four, verse six. And it reads, Anus, the high priest was there and so was so were Caiaphas and John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I can't go until I tell you what I want to tell you right now. I can't go any further. Did you hear me say, Anus the high priest? <laughs> I need to stop and pause just for a moment and think about this guy's name. Anus. <laughs> what mother would call her son anus? Does she not know that anus is the last part of our digestive system? The last thing we have to deal that we have to deal with? Now you know anus was picked on in school all the time for his name. And you also know that the sixth grade boy inside of me right now, I just want to have a blast with this. But I'm going to be mature, <laughs> and we're going to go to verse 7. I don't know why verse 6 was there, but I think that was the reason why. So we could talk about anus. All right, here we go. Verse 7. <laughs> and then Peter and John brought before them, was brought before them, and they began to question them. And the question was, by what power? What power or what name did you do this? So right here we see Peter who was hiding and denying Jesus just five days before this. He denied to a little girl that he didn't even know who Jesus was. That's how fearful he was. So here, here Peter is who was just hiding, denying Jesus just five days ago and is now filled with the Holy Spirit. As we're going on with this, these verses, he is now filled with the Holy Spirit. He is bold. He's not fearful whatsoever. He is courageous. And listen to verse, verses 8 through 10, Acts chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are, are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and and uh, being asked how he was healed, this, uh, uh, excuse me, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This is a wonderful proclamation. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed, is what he says. So what is Peter doing? Well, because of the tomb, the tomb was empty, because Jesus had been risen, because Jesus had defeated death, hell, and the grave, Peter... 
Peter, who was timid in spirit, was now bold and courageous because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. So what we learn about this particular point is this, is that we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Listen to me, think about this. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. I think that Peter was absolutely convinced. He had a bold conviction that Jesus truly was the son of God. Give me an amen to that because that's what happened. Because Peter experienced the resurrected Jesus. It consumed him. It just consumed him. Later on in the book of Acts, Peter says, I can't stop talking about this. I can't stop talking about the resurrection. I can't stop talking about the the work that Jesus has accomplished for every one of us. I can't stop talking about it, is what he said. It was Peter. To Peter, it was everything to him. It gave him hope. It gave him confidence. It gave him his assurance back, believing on Jesus being truly the Son of God. Truly the Son of God. We, we, uh, we, We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Last week, I admitted to the church, I've done this years ago, I talked to the church about this a few times over my 26 years of being here, but I shared last Sunday how the death of Brian Hyman, my youth pastor, back on January 21st, uh, 2005, he died of uh, uh, carcinoma cancer. And uh, it wrecked me, man. It really wrecked me. If you were here last week, I mentioned that before Kayla was able to share her story. Uh, uh, Dad could share Kayla's story. But the fact of the matter is it did wreck me. It caused me, because Word of Life did everything right in order according to the Word of God that would bring healing to Brian. And it didn't happen. Just so defeated. So defeated. So discouraged. But thank God there were people that came into my life. There were people that I, that I sat down and met with. Counselors that I went to. Because I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was losing all faith in God. And of course I didn't. And of course God made himself known. And God has done wonderful things. And I truly do believe that God can do all things. Because all things are possible with God. They are. 14 years later from Brian's death. Since Kayla's miraculous recovery. If you weren't here and if you don't know about Kayla. She had a full cardiac arrest. And she was gone for 20 minutes. She died and was dead for 20 minutes. And she came back to life, and she's completely normal. We all seen her, she came out and talked. It's incredible. But just like Peter, I can't stop talking about this. Everywhere I go, I'm in the gym, anybody I see in the gym, I don't even know who they are. Hey man, I just wanna tell you, in my church, we just had a real cool miracle, I wanna tell you about it. I tell everybody. I don't think I've missed a day yet that I haven't told somebody about Kayla. And it's not because any of us deserve any applause, it's because he deserves all the applause. He's the one that brought her back to life. So, we had, I had a number of people who came to the Christmas Eve services and all those other things, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful thing. God has done it. And like Peter, I can't stop talking about it, which leads me to the question. And the question is this, is that if we are not speaking boldly about our faith in Jesus, then do we believe it deeply? If we're not speaking boldly about our faith in Jesus, do we believe it deeply? I told my story again at the Christmas Eve services about January, uh, July 5th, 1971, south side of Philadelphia. I shared that story again. And I've shared that hundreds of times. Many of you roll your eyes when I say those words because you've heard it so many times. But listen to me, listen to me. I believe this deeply. And I'm bold in proclaiming what Jesus has done for me. I, I'm doing that because I believe it so deeply. So I will tell everybody that I can. And the fact of the matter is, I believe it so deeply, nobody can take this away from me. I remember, I remember saying to God, if this is real, I want it. And all of a sudden, God came into my life at 16 years old, unlike any other time in my life up to that point. 
when we have something that we believe deeply, we end up being very bold about it. Peter tells uh, Anus, um, the big wigs of Israel in Acts chapter four, beginning with verses 12 and 13. Listen to this, listen to this, this is great. Peter says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they, the religious leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. So the question that maybe we would need to answer as we begin to close this off is how do we become more bold in spirit? How do we do that? How do we become more bold in spirit? Well, let me give you two very, very simple ways that we would be able to be bold in spirit. Number one, step number one would be is that you would spend more time with Jesus. You would spend more time with Jesus. In Acts chapter three, verse 16, let me just read a little bit of this verse. Salvation is found in no one. Nope, sorry, wrong one. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which, which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. I say it again. And on the basis of faith in his name, in Jesus, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and whom you now know. <clears throat> my, oh my. People who spend time with Jesus are strengthened and encouraged. People who spend time with Jesus are strengthened and encouraged. So how do you spend time with Jesus? Well, we're giving you 21 days of an opportunity to connect with Jesus in ways that you normally don't, maybe. Praying and fasting. So when we spend time with Jesus, that means we're praying. That means we're listening. That means we're communicating. We're communicating with God. We're reading his word, and we're letting the word of God begin to speak to us through his word. We spend personal time with God in worship. We honor him. We worship him. We tell him we love him. We allow the tears to flow in those private times that we're crying out to God. I pray every day, but let me just tell you a, a, a quick example. Let me tell you what happens when I don't spend time with Jesus on a given day. Hardly ever happens, but instead of being heavenly minded, I'm all consumed about everything of this world. I am totally consumed when I haven't spent time with Jesus, when I think about what's going on in our world. When someone pulls out in front of me and goes half the speed that I was going before they did pull out on me, I just so want to be obnoxious and just lay on the horn and follow them for the next two miles laying on the horn. I've never done that. I'm talking like a big shot. I'll never do that. But that's how I am. That's how I am when I'm not with God. I have very little patience. I get frustrated about things really fast when I haven't been with God, which causes me to, to get a little bit confused with what's going on, sort of like what I'm doing right now, a little bit confused with what's going on. And, uh, and when I get confused, I get in a really bad mood. But this doesn't happen often, just so you know, honestly, sincerely, from my heart. On the other hand, nearly every day, nearly every single day I spend from an hour to an hour and a half with God, the very first thing in the morning, sometimes, once or twice, five times in my life, I would go to a gym at five in the morning before I would be with Jesus. But just about always, I'm with Jesus first. Just about every time I meet with God, he renews my mind for the day. I'm able to keep my self-centered, selfish attitude in check. 
And I determined that day when I'm leaving, walking out of there, I want to make a difference in somebody's life today. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to be, but I want to make a difference. So often when I hear about bad news that is life-changing to a person or to a family or to a marriage, wherever I'm going, when I hear this, I stop what I'm doing and I pray. And so often as I pray, all of a sudden God shows me things or gives me a bit of vision behind it and I just start weeping. I weep over them. I'm weeping with what they're dealing with. I don't know why. I can't make that happen. It just, it just happens at that time. I can sense quite easily the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Then suddenly my faith increases. And when my faith increases, I become more bold. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help whoever needs to be helped at that moment with that particular time. So it's something that God does. And when he does that for me, I, I, I want him to do it again the next day. Yesterday was a wonderful day, God. Thank you for that. And now today, I want the same thing. I want what you did yesterday. I want to do it again. And he doesn't give me the exact same things. It's a little bit different. It's better. It gets better all the time. So if you want to grow in boldness, you need to spend time with Jesus. I challenge you to do that. Number two is to ask God to make you bold. Ask God to make you bold. Psalm 138, David says these words in verse 3. He says these words. He says, in the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength into my soul. With strength into my soul. I know you know my history. I know, you know I've been a pastor for a long time, 37, 38 years now. This, was, this incident happened in my life back in, I think, 1989 when I was at West Point, West Point days, West Point years. One of the men of my church who attended the church which was Highland Falls Assembly of God Church. I also planted a church. Marianne and I planted a church as well as we're chaplains at West Point. Um, one of the men in my church came and told me about a coworker who worked at the nuclear plant with him on the Hudson River. The guy's name is Bert McCormick. Um, Bert has some serious cancer, he told me. Um, real serious issues. And pastor, he's far from God. He wants nothing to do with God. He's in his 40s. He's a big man. He's about 250 pounds. He's a really tough guy. It's not going to be easy, but he says, I would really appreciate it if you would go see Bert. So, of course, I prayed about it and uh, needed some boldness for all of this. I prayed about it and heard that Bert wasn't doing well. A couple weeks, a couple days, whatever, later, I decided I'd go down to Sloan Catering, which is down there outside of New York City, in New York City. And uh, I heard God speak to me about going, going to see Bert. So I felt very prompted by God to do this. I remember praying, God, make me bold. I knew that this was going to be somewhat of a challenge, and, and, uh, but this isn't about me. This is about this guy who's about ready to slip into eternity, and I have the answer for him. And so I stood outside the room. I got into the room. I knew where his room was, and I could hear a bunch of work going on, and I stood outside of his room maybe, maybe 30 minutes. And finally, I just thought, I, I've got to go in there. So I opened up the door slowly, and I looked in there, and there was a... Uh, doctors and nurses all over the place. And as they were working on him, I'm just standing there. I'm not saying a word to anybody. And all of a sudden, Bert looks over at me and he says, who are you and what do you want? Well, I responded back to him. Well, my name is Randy Chiz and I pastor Highland Falls Assembly of God Church and uh, uh, John told me about you. And uh, I just want to come and talk to you. I don't want anything about your religion. I don't want you here. Just leave. Get out of here. I mean, he's talking to me in this tone. And I looked back at him and I said, hey man, I want to let you know, I'm not here to give you religion. All I want to do is tell you that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, Bert. 
Get out of here. So I left. Of course, I felt defeated. I felt like a jerk. I'm one of those kind of Christians, evidently, you know. I felt like a jerk. I, I was really frustrated. About two months went by. And I saw this guy again, this guy, John, and how's, how's Bert doing? Is he still alive? And he says, yes, he is alive, but they sent him home. Hospice there, there's nothing they can do. He's got just a short time left. So, of course, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And the Spirit of God tells me that I need to go there. So I do. Didn't know where he lived. Found the address. Got there to the door. I went and I knocked on the door. Remember, my first time with a guy wasn't very exciting. I knocked on the door. Nobody answered. And I waited. And I knocked one more time. This is going to be the last time. I, Lord, if it, then it is not your will. And I knocked on the door. And finally the door opened slowly. And his wife is there. They have two sons. She led me into the room where Bert was. I haven't seen Bert at all. He, at this point, has no hair, and if he weighs 125 pounds, I may be exaggerating. He is in terrible condition. As I walk into the room, I look at him, and he stands to his feet. He gets up real slow, stands to his feet. He walks over. And he held me. And I held him. Grabs a hold of my hand and he's pulling me away. We're going into another room. He wants to take me into another room. I don't know why we're going there, but we're going into another room. And he has me sit on the chair next to him. And all of a sudden, this Catholic young man, he's 40-something years old, he starts confessing his sins to me. And I stop him right there. And I says, Bert, I can't help you. I can't help you with your sins. There's nothing I can do for you. But I know someone who can. And his name is Jesus. And he went through the cross and he paid the price. And if you put your faith in him, he'll forgive you of your sin. And when you die, you'll be with him in heaven. So I said, can I pray with you? And he said, yes. And I prayed and he's crying and I'm weeping. And Bert died. We spent three, the next three months together, became really close. He's a car guy. I'm a car guy. And we just became really close and I had the opportunity to do his funeral. That would have never happened. That would have never happened with the old Randy, the way Randy would be. God had to do something. There had to be something of boldness that would come into a situation like that. I, I will never forget. I can't wait to get to heaven to see, to see Bert McCormick again. I can't wait for that because it was just so life-changing. So if you were to pray and ask God to help you with these kinds of things, he will. Ask him to make you bold, he will. The religious leaders wanted to stop the disciples from speaking the name of Jesus. They warned them and threatened them, not only for jail, but even their death. Listen to the prayer that the apostle Paul prayed. It's Acts chapter four, verse 29 and 30. Incredible, incredible. Acts chapter, 20, Acts chapter four, verses 29 and 30. Now Lord, this is their prayer. Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Boldness. When, you, when we spend time with Jesus, we grow in boldness. When we ask God for boldness, he helps strengthen our faith. And it's then, at those moments, that we start to realize 
that we start to realign, that we start to remember that the whole reason why I'm here on this planet, the reason why Jesus hasn't taken me home yet, is because there's still more work to do to reach more people who are far from God. And if you agree, would you give the Lord a round of applause? He's a loving God. He's a loving God. He's a loving God. Every person on this planet will end up in one destination or another. Either they will be suffering in the, the horror of an eternal damnation of a place called hell. Not easy to talk about. But there is a very real place that the Bible calls hell. It's called uh, eternal damnation. It's called the place of torment. It's called outer darkness. It's called the place of sorrow. Words cannot convey the horror and the torture of anguish that would be in hell. Hell was created for the devils and the demons to live in forever. And unfortunately, hell will be the place if people reject Jesus and the death that he, he gave as a result of our sin. It's in the Bible. It's not what the Assemblies of God is just trying to say. It's not just what the preacher's trying to say. The Bible talks about this. The Bible says these kinds of things. And in the very same way, there is a destination where words cannot adequately con be conveyed. The glory, the beauty, the splendor, the majesty of the dwelling place of God and his people who believe and follow Jesus. That place is called heaven. Let me read you as we close off about what heaven looks like. John says these words, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Thank you, God. They were, there will be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I'm telling you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely of the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? Stand with me to your feet. We cannot fathom what God has in store for those who love him. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard what God has in store for us. I want you to understand, please listen to me. There are people in your life right now that you desperately love, that you desperately love who do not know about the grace and the love of Jesus Christ and what he has done. And at this moment, it's okay. At this moment, there's still an opportunity but one day it will be too late. One day it may be too late. And we tend to think that if we hide behind those locked doors with the thoughts that what if, what if I do this and I don't get it right? What if I try and they say no? What if, what if, what if? that keep on pushing us off from talking to them, from sharing with them and loving them and inviting them and whatever we need to do to win them over. Just set the what ifs off to the side. 
I think a question that needs to be asked, a more important question, down-to-earth question, powerful question is, but what if I don't? What if I don't? What if I didn't talk to my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, the many that I've had opportunity to lead? What if I didn't? What if I didn't? Another, another last and final thought is, what if we, like Peter, would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would seek the fullness of the Spirit of God to come upon us so that we would be courageous like they were courageous, that we would be people who would have faith and great boldness in our witness because we speak boldly what we believe deeply. Father God, I want to pray for everybody in this room today. I ask God that you would, that you would move on these hearts of lives, especially these followers in this room, the people who are lovers of God, I'm asking, Lord, that you would fill them with a boldness as never before. If you would please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for one more minute. If for whatever reason you as a believer that's in this room, right now you're having a stirring within you about being bold. You have these people right in the forefront of your mind right now that you know and love desperately, that you know are far from God. And if they were to be in a horrible accident, something with a heart condition, whatever would happen and they were gone, you wouldn't be sure where their salvation, where they've ended up. But if today you are sensing that I need to do something about this, I'm gonna ask you, all of you across this room, just hold up your hand right now if that's you. If God is speaking to you about that right now, hold your hand up high. Come on, don't be ashamed. Be bold with this. Great, put your hands down. Hundreds of you are doing that. I appreciate it. The last thing I want to say to you is this. If you're not sure today about God, if you're not sure about the Bible, if you're not sure about Christianity, if you're not sure, uh, sure about the church, I understand that. I understand why you would be that way, why you would understand. But I also want you to know that regardless of those issues, God wants to save you. God wants to rescue you. He loves you, man. He really does. Even as Jay shared with his testimony today, he loves you. Your whole life will change before your very eyes once you experience the love of God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray a quick prayer. And if you want me to include you with that prayer, while I'm praying, I'm going to be looking around. Just hold that hand up. Let me just pray for you. Please, let me just pray for you. Come on, don't hold it back. You need Jesus today, man. You really do. Father, I pray for all of these people who would want Jesus to come into their lives, to forgive them of their sin. God, would you make yourself known? Would you bless them? In Jesus' name, God bless them. In Jesus' name, go ahead. Let's do our final song. If you would like prayer for anything, feel free to come down. These people want to pray with you. Feel free to come down. Thanks for tuning into the message this week. Hey, if you haven't checked out our new membership process called Life Path, it's never too late to jump in. You can jump in on any of the classes which are offered the first, second, and third Sundays of every month. Want to hear more? Come on out to one of our services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. 